Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at First Church Ministries, and um, we're going through the book of Ephesians. We're actually doing the last section of chapter 6 today, so uh, next, next time we'll be starting in Genesis, but um, uh, let's jump into this. Uh, we, we just had the prior session. It was a little bit longer, and we talked about submission and stuff. Today, we're going to talk about the armor of uh, God. Um, let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you for your word, which is truth. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit, which gives us power to live that truth and helps us uh, when we are in difficult times, just as it, uh, the Holy Spirit came to Christ in the time of Gethsemane and encouragement. Uh, we pray that uh, you would um, encourage and strengthen us now with your spirit to live a life pleasing to you. We ask in your name, Jesus. So uh, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Um, I, I will say this. I was talking with Jose. Uh, we're going to talk about the armor of God. Um, there's a lot of good teaching on the armor of God that I recommend. I'm not going to go. This is more of an overview for you to think about this to get deeper into it. So I'm just going to let you know that this is not a, an in-depth analysis of uh, it's some, sometimes some of those in-depth analysis can, I think, get a bit too more too detailed, at least from my taste. But but this is more of a sort of like, okay, so Paul wrote this at the end of Ephesians. He wrote it so we would understand uh, that it was a spiritual warfare that we were in, and that we had to fight it in a spiritual sense. And so the armor of God is spiritual armor for a spiritual fight. And so we've taken that at the context. If you, don't, if you don't remember anything else, remember that. And we're going to talk a little about prayer at the end, too. Um, and those are two things that you take away anything else, take away that, good stead. So um, the whole armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And against I, I, I uh, bold it stand. There's uh, three mentions of it in here may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against f- flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, uh, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplications. And to that end, keep alert with me in in the Keep alert with all perseverances, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And then final greetings we'll cover on another slide, so I won't read that right here. I, I do want to talk about, again, the whole armor of God. Uh, the 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 preface to this is very important, okay? A lot of times the emphasis tends to be on the armor and the different pieces of armor, but the real emphasis on this, should, I think, should be to be strong, strong in the Lord and the strength of his might 
and putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The whole point of this is this is not a battle with people, okay? This is a battle with spiritual forces. We miss that, okay? We miss that battle. You hear sometimes you hear you got to hate the sin but love the sinner, and, and I agree with that, but it's a, that doesn't really go far enough sometimes. That our enemy is not the sinner, okay? Even if the sinner's trying to do evil things, it's not, that's not the problem. The problem is there's rulers and authorities and cosmic powers and present darkness and spiritual forces. So I want to talk about this because if you don't understand that there is spiritual stuff out there, the Western world discounts that, including the church, unfortunately, okay? Um, there are spiritual forces at work, okay? And we act like we, if we do the right thing and live our lives right, and other people did the right things and live their lives right, then things would be good. But it's not true. It's, there's, there's, there's things, malevolent things out there, lack of a better word, spiritual things, that uh, creatures that are there causing us problems. Um, there were a series of books I, I read a long time ago, about 30 years ago, when we first got married, by Frank Peretti, called This Present Darkness and some other stuff. He, and I think in some ways he oversold the, the spiritual thing there, it, it, but it, it, was a good, it was a good remedy to our unbelief in the spiritual thing. We, you need to really understand that even as I talk here and I'm looking at Jose and looking here and doing around, there are spirits that are around doing things. And, and, and um, you, you don't want to be, there's a joke saying that the guy walk along the street and he sees, sees the devil on the steps of a church, a big church, and, and the devil's crying. And, and, and the guy says, what are you doing? Why are you crying? And she says, the people in there, they blame me for everything. You know, and, and I think, um, I don't want to go that thing to you. Want to blame everything? <laughs> no, okay, but 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 the, this is pretty clear. The the real battle is not a physical battle. So it's much more spiritual, and you're not going to be able to make it with physical good. You can't be good enough. Okay. So this is what it's time. So get it in your minds that we rest. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but rulers and authorities, cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil, interestingly enough, in the heavenly places. So you think, you, you see, you hear some of the spiritual stuff, oh, it, it, like um, uh, it, some of the supernatural stuff about angels and stuff now, but it was good, it was light and stuff like that. That does not mean it was a good spirit. Just because it's from the heavenly places does not necessarily mean it's good, okay? Because there's a battle going on that's spiritual in the heavenly places, too. So, um, and if you don't believe that, read Revelation. Um, so, um, so, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and haven't done all to stand firm. So, so we, we are pushing ourselves against the evil day, but there is, there is a, there is a limit where we want to wind up, and that's standing firm. So, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, okay, a lot. Um, a lot good and a lot bad. And at the end of the day, we need to stand. We need to not give up. This is part of the thing is it's easy to give up. And the soldier couldn't give up. A soldier had to stand. He had, at the end of the day, if he, was, he had to stand, okay. He had to be there. Um, 
And so he says, uh, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth uh, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So these are, uh, again, um, things that just are part of our being. The belt of truth, you know, that we should, be, we should be known as honest, truthful people, that we should have a righteousness. We should live better lives than unbelievers, okay? I, a lot of times we don't, but that doesn't mean there should be a qualitative difference, okay? It doesn't save us. It doesn't make us better than other people, but a believer should have a righteousness that a non-believer doesn't. So, and if you don't, you say, we're all in this, we're just one beggar showing another one beggar where there's bread. That's absolutely true, but it does not relieve you from Scripture's injunction to be righteous, okay, and to live a life so that the, Christ's name is not blasphemed among the Gentiles, as it said. Um, and on your shoes, shoes for your feet, have them put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So there should be a willingness for us to be able to, um, to give the gospel, to share the gospel. You know, the idea of, uh, so Roman soldiers were, not getting too much detail, but one of the innovations of Roman soldiery was their shoes and their boots and stuff because they realized how important it was for, um, the armies, uh, they have the, the soldiers to be able to march well and quickly and stuff. So they were well shod, so to speak. Um, they also built good roads, and, and is a, a good army runs on its belly. Soldier runs on the belly. They fed them well, too. But the shoes were very important. And so we're talking about here a soldier that is able to, to move quickly and go quickly and share when we need to. And we have a, the interesting thing. So there's a sort of, sort of a irony here. It's, it's the gospel of peace, the soldier carrying the gospel of peace. So, again, we, we're not a typical soldier. This, the soldiery here is, is, is different. We get the intimation here on this. And then in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, all of which should have been bold and italicized, not just the F.A. in faith. Uh, but um, but the, uh, the shield of faith, so... so a shield is a defensive weapon. It can't be used offensively to push, into, but mostly it's a defensive weapon. And the idea here is, uh, is that you can extinguish the flame and darts of the evil one. Now, this is going to happen. Did God really say that you could not eat from the tree? You'll die if you eat from the tree? So the devil's not going to come to you with that because right now no trees are forbidden fruit for us, but he's going to say, did God say you really can't watch that show? Or did God say you really can't do that? There's going to be there. And, and the shield of faith it extinguishes the stars by saying, yes, that he did say that. And I, I have faith that I will follow what God says type thing. So there's a, a shield of faith here. So, so there's, we, we are often tempted uh, like Saul was in the Old Testament, um, to panic and to take things into our own hands and when he sacrificed several times, when he was not allowed to sacrifice um, because he was afraid that something bad would happen if he didn't do something bad himself. I sympathize with him because that's how we feel too. So as the spirit is supposed to, the shield of faith is supposed to keep that. So how do you build your faith? Well... Um, you practice and you review the times God has been faithful. To understand what faith is, you must, you must examine your own faith and you must examine how God has been faithful in your life. Um, 
many times, I, right now I'm struggling at work. We're having a very, very difficult time, and I have to, you have to turn back and say, yeah, but God did that there. He showed me there, and he did that. That's what the Israelites needed to do when they were in the desert, and, and they, they didn't have food to eat. Yeah, well, God parted the Red Sea. I walked through the Red Sea. For having, so we need to say, well, God did this, and God did this, and this is faith. So that's how, but the shield, the shield of faith is intended so when the devil tempts you or the devil causes you to question God, you can recount those things. So that's what we, we're doing with our faith. Uh, helmet of salvation, which protects the head. So, so ultimately, our protection is um, uh, the devil can do nothing to us eternal. We, we have eternal life. The helmet of salvation has given us interest into eternity with God. So, so that, 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 that's an encouragement. Um, again, uh, um, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. Are these people are already saved. So what is he saying? He's saying, take the reminder of your salvation. Take, understand your salvation and understand what that buys to protect you. You know, you, you protect your, your uh, head, your body, but your head, uh, particularly the brain. Um, and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, that's what I really want to talk to you a little bit. I said, Two things I want you to get out of this thing, because I think the two things that Paul really wants to get is that is that um, it's a spiritual battle, and you can only win it with the spirit. Okay, and so the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, so you need to know the word of God. You need to be reading the Bible. You need to be studying the Bible. There's all kinds of good teaching out there. You need to be going to church and listen to your pastor, but that is not knowing the Word of God, okay? Uh, there's the Bible Project, and there's other helps out there that you can get. Uh, you, uh, you version, you listen to Bible. There's lots of great teaching out there. There really is no excuse at all for no one, anyone in the United States not knowing their Bible very well. Well, most anyone. We all have access to the thing. And right now with this um, coronavirus crisis, we tend to have more time to. And so, why? It's just hard to understand. Go to the Bible Project. Pick out a book of the Bible you're interested in and listen to the little tape and then read it and go along with it. There's lots of good teaching on those things, too. You can always email me. My, my email's at the beginning of the presentation, and I can, I can give you resources if you're looking at specific things. But, but really, there is no excuse for not knowing the Word of God, okay? Except, well, actually, there's two degrees. One is laziness. Um, well, uh, actually, I, I think I'm more each time. Laziness. There's intimidation. Well, so much. I remember when I first became a believer. I was 16. Uh, I, I didn't know other believers. I actually came uh, in isolation from other believers. And I found some believers at, church, uh, at high school, and they were studying a book of the Bible. They were studying Romans, and we did uh, How to Become a Christian Without Be Being Religious. And that was a great book. Highly recommend that, even for adults. And uh, we were reading that, and they would say, well, it's like, um, from Ephesians, they would talk to me, and I would thought, wow, I'll never know the Bible that well. And the truth is, is when you're young and you don't know well, and young, I don't mean young age-wise, I mean just young in, in the Lord and, and, and reading the Word, it is hard to understand where all the things come from. But what you do is you concentrate on one section, you work through it, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. It's, it's, you do that, you just, you know, you gotta, you gotta start, you don't have a sword, you're in trouble as a soldier. 
Okay, I, I, this is the only offensive weapon you really have. The shield can be used sometimes for that. I guess you could headbutt with the helmet, but that doesn't really count generally. So uh, the sword is what you got. And this, you know, they'll say, you'll say, well, that was the spatha, the short, or the gladius, the short sword that the soldier used for his uh, thrusting in the thing. It wasn't the longer sword. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. That's real nice. But he was talking about a sword. That's what you need to know, get out of it. And the sword was the word of God. And you need to know the word of God. You need to know the word of God. Um, and so, um, and, and then the spirit takes that and uses that. And one of the ways he uses that is in praying. And pray, and pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Um, so, um, the way to fight a spiritual war is spiritually, not physically. So it does help to read your Bible. So knowledge is good. It helps to read your Bible. And everything, but that ain't going to get you there, okay? Only the Spirit of God will. And only prayer, which is communication with God, will. So, so God has empowered us to use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to pray um, boldly that he would bring things about and he will do it. And one, some of the times... So, well, didn't you say that what we do matters and it matters? Yeah, but what we do spiritually matters even more than what we do physically. So, and if we really, and, and, God, and one of the reasons is because is God wants us to really understand and see that he is the one who brings about change and he is the one who brings about blessings. And so he often will do things only in answer to prayer because he wants us to understand it's him, not that we did a good job. For example, um, I, there's a really big project. I'm going to find out on Monday um, if I got this really key project at work. If I don't get the project, I have to say things look dicey for my company, really dicey. Uh, and, and, uh, and I did everything I could on it. I worked really hard. And, and uh, I think we have a good proposal. And I think this and I think that. But early this week, I sent an email out. I sent an email out to my pastors. I sent an email out to a couple of my friends who are pastors, too. I sent uh, not just pastors that can pray better. We pastors don't necessarily have a special connection, but these are good friends that I knew would be praying for me. And, and a couple other people that were just really good, one was like a spiritual mom to me, saying, I really need you to be praying for this. And my, my wife put on, uh, she's a prayer chairman at CBS, and she put out a prayer request for that through the, their prayer net. Why did I do that? Well, there's two reasons. Uh, number one, if we get it, then everyone rejoices. It's, so the joy is fuller. But that's not the main reason. The main reason I did it is I really want this. <laughs> and, and I tell you, I put it out on Monday, uh, this past Monday. I really sent a thing. The I, decision was made. A decision was made, and they're tidying up things and doing the final things now. But we, then why are you praying about it? Because, because God said he'll do what we pray about. He's not bound on time like we are. Um, maybe decision wasn't made. I don't know for sure. What I'm saying is that God wants us to pray because God changes things based on a prayer. But he can't change things backwards in time. Oh, yeah, he can. Um, he's not in time, so it's not, it's not an issue for him. But the truth on this is, if we get this, it's by God's grace. Okay. And um, sometimes you can see that. Sometimes, like you put in, a, this is a proposal to do this work. And sometimes you know the proposal isn't good enough to get the work by itself. And then God does it. But even if you do all you can, there's still a time that you have to pray on things. So, 
So prayer is important. What I'm saying is that prayer changes things is important, okay? Um, and on this, he's saying, uh, to this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and open my mouth to boldly, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to. Now, this is interesting. That certain translations, uh, did your translation have that I might, I, I, I might fearlessly? I have to say you Okay. Okay, so there's uh, another one says that I may uh, fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And, and actually, I, I think the word base is, and I, I apologize, I didn't check on this, but it probably is phobos, the word fear. Yeah, it's a, uh, fearlessly, with that, do it without fear. Um, Paul was afraid of proclaiming the gospel. He's, he's asking for prayer that he would not be afraid to proclaim the gospel. Not, he, was, he didn't ask one, he asked twice. In, two, in, in one or two sentences, depending on how you break this up, he asked twice that he'd be bold in this thing, okay? Paul, I mean, this is Paul that's been in prison, that's done all these other things. You know, he, he's been, he's, he's, he's set up all these churches. God has miraculously delivered him. He's, he's awaiting trial before Caesar, in which he's in Philippians, he says he's confident that he will, will be released. And yet he still says, pray, pray that I'll proclaim it boldly. So I'm telling you, prayer changes things. You know, Paul would not be saying that if he wasn't thinking, I'm, I might be afraid. So pray, so pray, so pray. Um, also, he talks a little about what we should be praying for. So the 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 work you know, so some people think it's better just to pray for boldness to show the gospel and everything else I, i'm not of that camp i think god wants us to pray about everything okay um but he does want us to pray about sharing the gospel too all of us are i this is why i come back to on paul in this all of us are afraid at times of sharing the gospel and and we need to be praying that we have the the fearlessness to proclaim the gospel even if it makes us an object of ridicule, or even if we're afraid that we'll explain it so poorly that they won't accept Christ because of our, our own message, because God has promised that he will be with us and give us the words to say. So, you know, if I, if I have to teach you on the armor of God, it's this, that we fight against a spiritual, we fight a spiritual battle with spiritual means. All the other stuff, the armor that shows you. They're all nice, by the way. Some of this stuff, like the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, are back in Isaiah. He's actually reaching back into the Old Testament to pull these things forward. Um, it's very interesting that, that uh, again, Isaiah has this and some other parts of this thing. How, how, how uh, blessed are the feet that bring good news. The gospel is, it, it, a lot of this is, is uh, embedded, hidden as, as, as gems in Isaiah. But it's not the pieces that are the big deal. The, the big deal is a spiritual battle fought by a spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and then at the very end, he says, uh, so that you may know how, how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, um, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers with love and faith from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the love incorruptible. So um, it's interesting. 
Paul, Paul doesn't want to take up a letter. He does at times take a letter for greetings to, in Romans. He talks about that. But on the whole, he generally says he gives them greetings. And in, in these uh, prison epistles, he actually says Tychicus is going to tell you everything. And a couple reasons for that. One is paper's precious, and it doesn't really, he knew it really wouldn't apply to us. And by the way, do I think Paul knew he was writing the New Testament? Maybe not the word New Testament, but yes, he knew he was writing scripture when he wrote these things. Okay, I do. I do believe that at this age. Maybe earlier he hadn't thought it through, but I think at this stage he understood that he was writing scripture that would be used. For one thing, First uh, Peter talks about um, uh, uh, these evil men distort scriptures, such as like what, like and what Paul writes. You know, he, he refers to Paul's writing as scripture, and uh, the other thing is. Um, in uh, Colossians, he talks. He tells them to take their letter and share it with the Laodiceans, and to read the Laodiceans. So he understands he's writing instructions for a bigger body. So he doesn't go into the personal details here, but he does send someone because personal detail. And the other reason too is because of probably details he didn't want in writing. Okay, that he just that, that could best face to face type thing. Because again, he was he was in prison at this time, facing trials for his life. Um, so, uh, but I I don't want to run by this too quickly because Paul knew it was important to relate to people, and 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 this is why I teach books of the Bible instead of topical things. I very very rarely go into a topical thing because. The books were written to people in, in certain context, and that's how life is lived too. And so the, the, how they are written and the context they're written is as important as the teaching too. So, so you understand the teaching truly, you must understand the context of that. And so Paul valued people, and, uh, and, uh, you know, um, and he had different instructions for different people. And that does not mean the truth changes. For example, uh, you might be counseling somebody on finances that's uh, you know uh, a millionaire, but but won't give his wife money to buy to get a reliable car. You, you got to loosen up on your money here, buddy. I mean, you got to provide for your family, your wife, and stuff like that. And then you get you get another person coming in who buys a new car every year and is about ready to declare bankruptcy, and you say. You, you got to be a little bit more responsible for your spending. It's not relative truth. It's it's the context that's in there, and so there's a context in here too. And and I, I drop back to that because Ephesians is a book written to the church in Ephesus, one of the leading churches that lost its first love. Um, we see in Reve- Revelation, which was probably written about ninety ninety five A.D., and this was written about sixty. So in about thirty five years. The Church of Ephesus went from the premier church, uh, a foremost church in, in, in Turkey, right, Asia Minor. Um, it went from that to losing its first love in 35 years. Um, yeah, that's a long time. Well, actually, it's not a long time when you really think about that. When you really think about that, it, it's, it's, it's scary. Okay? Um, and so Paul's writing this. If they had taken his advice, if they had really lived this life, they wouldn't have lost their first love because it wasn't all about rules. It was about living in the spirit. Okay, so, so we you said that peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ and grace be to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with the love incorruptible. 
I'll close by saying this. Sometimes it's hard to love our brothers. I have to say, every family has the oddballs, but sometimes you think Christianity has more than, than most. Um, you may take comfort in the fact that someone else might think you're the oddball in the thing, uh, but we're all part of a family, and God is, is welding us together. Um, you can take comfort in this. There are a lot of oddballs out there, um, and those odd, some of the oddballs are just uh, unique differences that we'll appreciate in eternity, um, but most of them are because of some kind of sin in us, you know, some thing that causes us to be unattractive for some reason because of some, some attitude, things we do, stuff like that. That's all gone in eternity. We will be cleansed and perfect in there. So, so you'll have no trouble loving your brothers and sisters. Uh, but now, while we're here on earth, we have those difficulties. And he's talking about us learning to love one another here. Okay? Um, this is an unbelievably unique practice ground. Um, there will be no practice in eternity because eternity is eternity. Again, I don't think we can understand it. But, um, but in this time, things matter in a way that, that, that are precious, and so we shouldn't pass it by. So um, uh, there is a... Um, going to close real quick with a little thing about the coronavirus. Just some things. So... Um, we are not just part of a community of believers, we're part of, of mankind. And so we need to be praying to God, beseeching God that uh, he would have mercy on the world and us, uh, and that he would turn the hand of this virus away. He can indeed do that. And we need to be saying, um, okay, God, what, it, what are you doing in this? Okay, And again, I'm not going to go into a discussion of is that God caused this virus or this or that. This, this, that, that, that uh, obscures the point that I want to talk about right now. Um, and, and the point is this, is that God has put you in this position and everyone else in the world, by the way, in this position, um, or let it happen for a reason, okay? You may have more time to read your Bible than you ever did before. There might be people that you're stuck with at your house that you'd rather not be with, but God's putting that in there, maybe that you can reconcile. Um, for those of people that are suffering depression, it's going to get worse. Um, I mean, depression is, is your depression is probably worse. Not maybe it's going to get worse. Um, and and you, you need to appeal to God on that. And, and by the way, I think you can be deeply depressed and deeply in love with God at the same time. Um, I, I think of um, uh, William Cooper who was um, depressed almost to death um, all the time, a good friend of John Newton's, and yet loved God deeply too. So, um, I, but this is a time for us to say, God, what, what are you doing in my life? You've certainly slowed us down. I mean, most people's lives have slowed down. Caregivers have not slowed down. Uh, my life has not really slowed down, um, but uh, it might eventually, and uh, lots of people's lives have slowed down and the point is, why have you slowed it down, God? I, I tell you one thing, it hasn't. Certainly the scope of people I see has is, is, is got much more narrow. So what do you want? What do you, is there something special you want me doing in this? This sort of relates in that sense to, the, the, um, to what Paul would have to say to the church, I think, if he was here. And that's it. What is God using this for? And how can you, glory, how can you 
uh, magnify him. And that's to be thankful for his preservation and perseverance, to pray that you would be preserved uh, and to pray for others and to encourage others during this time. And again, if you're depressed and you're stressed out, uh, there are resources called the church, First Church Ministries, or, or another good churches. There, there are many out there. Uh, or email me on, on the front of this thing, and we'll try to get help for you. But um, uh, this coronavirus is, is sort of um, really crystallized the fact that we do need each other. Now we don't have as much access to each other, and ironically that has caused us to see that we do need each other, and we need to be uh, responsive to that. So um, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you for watching over us, and thank you for the book of Ephesians. We thank you that uh, we are not by ourselves. We are part of a larger body that can help one another and encourage one another and be your light and witness through the world. And Lord, we fall short in so many areas, personally and as a church, uh, as the church, and we pray that you would help us to um, live lives pleasing to you, not in our own power, but through your Holy Spirit and, and strengthened through that and willfully making the decision to follow you and not our own desires. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.